0: Hello everyone, Mark here, and I just wanted to let you know about a new series that's about to release on this feed. As you know, mental fitness can span across many professions, and given I know we have several founders and entrepreneurs tuning into this show, I thought I'd release the series on Behind the Human as a bonus set of interviews. But whether you're a founder or not, there are some really powerful practices, prompts, and insights to pick up. You can expect 11 episodes to release on Wednesdays for the rest of this year, on top of the regular behind the human interviews that will continue to release every Sunday. So, about the series, I've teamed up with KPMG High Growth Ventures to bring you Invested. It's a show where I interview early stage investors to surface actionable insights for founders and startups to mentally and financially thrive during uncertain market conditions. The limited series also comes with a white paper, which I have to say is pretty damn awesome. It's packed full of insights that I wish I had when I was a founder. I really hope this series and the paper provide you with new perspectives of thinking and some much needed clarity in an increasingly complex environment. Head over to behindthehuman.com podcasts for more resources and to download the white paper. Thank you, as always, for being here. Enjoy the series and have an absolutely stunning day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game, personally and professionally. Today, we have a real treat, and I just can't wait to jump into conversation. We've got Amelia on the show. She is one of the most sought-after human behavior and strategic advisor experts in the world. She's appeared as a regular business and behavior expert on Oprah, The Steve Harvey Show, and Dr. Phil. For more than 25 years, she has dedicated her life to helping people and leaders through some of the most challenging and scariest parts of their lives. I can't wait to have you. Thank you for joining the show.
1: I am so excited I'm here. Thank you for having me. And better yet, thank you for diving into this topic.
0: It's going to be fun. I mean, you've done some crazy and and what seems like just so much fun, like 25 plus years of TV and business and... Reality. I was watching some of the clips from the elevator uh, show. Yeah. I remember that when that was on, and I remember the the trailers for that show. What was it called? Um, elevator elevator pitch? pitch. Yeah. Elevator
1: pitch. Yeah, with Entrepreneur Magazine. Yeah, Dave Meltzer was in that. Yes. Yeah, fun. I, so I just remember.
0: Fun. I remember that time and seeing the trailers and thinking, my God, that seems. So, and this was before I was in, involved in any entrepreneurship. I'm like that seems. It was so such a fun show in the elevator. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so such a fun show. Yeah.
0: So before we dive in though, to all of, uh, all of that, I just want to know, you know, when we take away the titles and the work that you've done, just who are you? Like, who's the human in front of me right now?
1: You know, I think I, I was really born into a immediate connection and true passion for people. Like Mm. even from a little, little, little girl, um, My family all said that I was the one always rooting for the underdog. Okay. And so I was that child. I had a sixth sense of somebody who was in pain or somebody that was struggling or somebody who didn't feel included or just like, you you know, people who ended up kind of like on the peripheral of something. Okay. Um, And those are the people that I connected with the most. And so I was an odd, odd duck as a child. (laughs) Sure. Um, and I gravitated to situations where I had the instinct to lean in. Other people had an instinct to lean out. Okay. And so it gave me an interesting perspective on life. Um, and even though there was so much resistance in my younger part of my years, it ended up being my greatest ability. And I literally built a living out of helping people through crisis and conflict to come out into by design, the person that they choose to become. And that that journey of becoming who you choose to become has nothing to do with circumstance. Nothing to do with circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the fact that mental health has finally gotten the attention that it needs, my take on it is in the realm of mental health is our greatest keys for success, and so the fact that I've had mental health issues, I consider that something to celebrate.
0: Ooh, we're going to jump into that, but before, I mean, before that, I'm just curious did you did you consciously know that that was your makeup, or especially as since it turned into your work as well as if you know starting as a child, or was, were were there moments where? you know you were doing the wrong thing and you came to finally came to a realization that oh no th- like this is what i need to be doing
1: so so i don't believe in right and wrong i don't sure. believe in right and wrong and i don't believe in good and bad i think okay. that that those are concepts that come down from people who would like to control us and put us in a cute little box yeah, and well so said. i was emancipated at 15 okay. and became a legal adult so my youth was the journey of understanding what does not work for me. Sure. Right. So that was my earlier part was, oh, this is cute. I, I, I'm i not playing here. This, this does not work for me. This doesn't feel good to me. Um, and I was okay with being ostracized and alone. And so my little group when I was in like fifth grade was Misfit Island. Like I literally, you know, that TV show with Rudolph and there's Misfit Islands. You know, that was me. That was me and all my friends. We were these odd ducks that just didn't fit. And the school didn't know where to put us. Like they were like, what? And literally would they would say, what are you? And then they were like, what do we do with you? Yeah. And so getting that type of messaging when you're young, you know, you either crumble because of it. Or you rise above it and i really started i remember my grandmother my nanny explaining to me what empathy was and i was like young i was i was like eight
0: wow and i
1: was like oh that's my tool so when life was confusing i was looking for a pathway to empath- empathize with your ignorance i was like oh you just can't see me I'm so sorry. I'm so so I'm so sorry for you. Even though that the message was they felt bad for me, I was re- reflecting bad how bad I felt for them.
0: Sure. sure. And so
1: it made me more odd.
0: <laughs> <It> just made <laughs> yeah, me yeah. more <laughs> odd.
1: And so I went with it. I mean, I started my first business in high school. I sold it when I was 17 and I made my first million.
0: Okay. And so what that's what an odd class will do for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was yeah.
1: construction. I opened Italians. What do we do? We build stuff. Sure. And so, you know, I went in a very odd way, but I'm very, very comfortable where people are uncomfortable because that was the response society gave me from a very young age.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah you're uncomfortable. And I just got the, okay with it. Uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah,
1: I just got it. I got okay. People go, oh, you're weird. I'm like, yeah, thank you. I own that. It's a great badge, you know? Thank you. I celebrate that.
0: Sure, sure. So then what, what happened next? Like, how did you get into... Uh, being a human behaviorist? What is that? You know, when it comes in, like when we think of the, the business perspective or the work that you, you've you done and continue to do.
1: Yeah. So I think the biggest difference to understand about behave, being a behaviorist in, in the behavior space is I'm not a therapist. Fair. Right. So I am not going to take this very long journey with you for you to come into awareness of what, how you are Healing In one way or another, right? The, the patience and the craft of therapy is something that I absolutely admire, but I'm not confused that that's not me. Sure. So if you're looking for the warm hug, I will give you a wonderful referral. I am not your girl. I'm a behaviorist. My responsibility is to reflect back your current thought state and how that thought state relates to your current behavior and mm-hmm. then bring you to through a behavior modification or a behavioral tool to be able to you to see, is it working? Wonderful. Move on. Is it not working? And how to stop what's not working, start a new behavior that's going to feel uncomfortable and swap out the resistance between what you think and believe and what you must believe to become your future self. So everything that I do is about behavior reflection, behavior games, behavior modifications. It really works in that space. Or what I do is I work as an accessory for a therapist, a coach, a mentor, anybody in that service-based business because they use our behavioral tools to quickly identify the root of a problem right? Or the resistance of a problem so that they can then pick up the work from there and not have to take three or four sessions just to get to those things. Our behavior tools do it immediately. So it's a love-hate relationship.
0: Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) You love me
1: or you hate me kind of thing.
0: (laughs) So how, I'm just curious, especially when you started all of this, because even now today, I mean, it's still a topic, whether it's behavior, mental fitness, or mental performance, like it's still not... As 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 adopted as yeah we're paying for the company gym for example for for the team right so I'm I'm just curious I get it in crisis moment because you know you're in you're in a in a state where you're trying to do everything possible to to fix the situation but when 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 businesses or leaders are not in crisis like how like what what was your narrative like how did you how do you go in and. Talk about this, like, how do you, how do you get the buy-in, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like what the, cause the, the, the tools, no doubt, you know, that, that works, but you have to open the door somehow through a narrative.
1: Yeah. So I think the first thing that, that was really helpful for me was to help leaders, um, understand what crisis actually means. Okay. Anytime your thinking isn't on autopilot, you're creating a mini crisis. Learning is a mini crisis, right? So there's a difference between being teachable versus Mm -hmm. being coachable. See, being teachable means I'm going to teach you something that you already know. Sure. Not a lot of resistance there. Yeah. Right? So I can teach you how to cook a different way. We're not going to get in a big battle. Being coachable means that I'm going to show you something that you think think you already know and point to the thing you can consider to do differently on how to coach you in a better way.
0: You're Their breaking statistic. the autopilot.
1: That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. So a lot of the tools that are out there for growth and impact and scale and all of those business vernaculars that you hear is assuming that the individual, right, because every business is just made up of people, individuals, it's making the assumption that the individual is in a perfectly calm, receptive state. But if you're asking them to learn, you actually are moving them to crisis, a conflict. And so you don't ask somebody how they perform when they're completely mentally receptively engaged. I need to know how you perform during crisis during the conflict and providing you the tools while you're there. And I think that that's why so much of leadership and team building has failed because when people show up insecure, uncertain, learning, growing, what do you mean by that? We don't have the tools that provide healthy conflict. Although we know that brilliance is born in conflict. And Mm -hmm. yet we're asking everybody. I love that when business goes, we're a family business. I'm like, well, what family do you know that gets along?
0: Yeah, because so family,
1: right? What do you, family? It doesn't like we use these words without understanding the subconscious response to the individual. So some individuals, when you go family, uh, they're like, "Oh, Beaver Cleavy, Kumbaya." You say family to me, I'm, this is like an Italian shit show, is what yeah. that means to me. <laughs> I want no part of it. I want no part of it. And so we don't really understand what we're doing. And as behaviorists, we always say, what you think is happening is never what's happening. It's never what's happening. And so we work in the space with the assumption that the person is coming with conflict. Yeah. Use the behavior tools to neutralize the conflict, right? Because the goal is to bring somebody to neutral. Sure. If they're neutral, You have the ability to actually have impact, but if they're not at neutral, you're fighting whatever resistance they're bringing. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're starting to learn now with the rise of the remote worker, the gig economy, is people were then empowered during the great reset, right? During COVID, people were like, wait a minute, hold on. I have a whole life. Like, I I don't want to spend three hours commuting. Like we've come into awareness of parts of our identity and now we're saying, if you don't provide a way for you to be part of my life, we don't want to play. Yeah. But a minute ago, people were shoving their life into their business or career. Now the businesses must find a way to fit into people's lives. Well, there's no tools for that.
0: It, it is fascinating because I, I've I've obviously reflected on this myself. It's the Great Reset, and it's the, what I like to say too. It's like the Great. Global reflection, you know, it's like the whole world was journaling for the first time in a way, and and almost, you know, forced the autopilot autopilot break, right? Just given everything that was going on to your point, then started asking some questions and, uh, and realized, And the thing right, about
1: that—that's all the gateway to mental health, yeah. Right? There's nothing wrong. I, I, the stigma that we've put on mental health drives me crazy because i'm basically saying i love myself enough to care about my mental state Mm -hmm. and you're saying there's a problem no there's a problem that you think there's a problem the fact that i want to take care of my body i want to take care of my mind i want to take care of my spirit and all of those combinations combined is my responsibility and so in my responsibility of taking care of my health my mental health, my physical health my spiritual health, you have to understand what my minimum standard is in order for you to play with me. Mm. And if you don't want to play with me, that's perfectly fine. It's okay not not all of us are meant to play together. but Back what to we childhood. don't teach right we, <laughs> what we don't teach is what is it that you require for your mental health for us to have a relationship and you stating your requirement, is you honoring and respecting and valuing me by telling me your truth. So things like I require to go to bed at a certain time because I am committed to get up, up for a rise and grind in the morning. And so if I know that part of your mental health is that you need an x amount hours of sleep, which means that you have a minimum standard for yourself that you start your 321 exercise at night. That you hmm. go offline at whatever it is, seven p.m., and then I call you at seven ten. I'm basically saying I don't respect you, your boundaries, or your minimums, and I actually don't care about your your mental health or anything else because I'm showing that I don't respect something that you've asked of me to service and to acknowledge. Yeah,
0: it's setting yeah setting the boundaries right from the beginning. I like that.
1: And then society says there's something wrong with you. There's yeah. something wrong with you that you want to set mental ba- mental health boundaries. And everything affects our mental state. And we've been in a society that doesn't allow recovery. Well, you can't be healthy without recovery. Mm-hmm. It's not possible. Yeah. But we accept it in the physical form. If you physically work out, you yeah. understand your body must recover. But we mentally work out every day and I mentally need to recover.
0: Well, and you, you it's 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 our minds that are telling us to go do the physical exercise or to, you know... Give us the pause before we pick up the unhealthy food choice, whatever it is, right? So, if, I mean, we're, you know, we're. I think we come from the same camp on this one, or I'm least biased that it, everything starts and stops in our minds, right? So, well, I mean, it's if for, you're going to train one, train yes, that,
1: <laughs> train that, and you know, there's other who, people who subscribe to like another layer up. They believe that the soul's yeah. code, right, the spiritual yeah. journey, your legacy, whatever. It doesn't matter. They're all connected. Your body can't perform without the mind. Mind can't perform without the body. And neither perform at its fullest capacity without understanding why we're here.
0: Yes, of course.
1: Right? And so that trilogy is important and they're equally as important. And so why we give so much knowledge and information in the physical form and we don't do it in the other two baffles me And then we accuse people of being superficial on the visual packaging that they come in. Well, that's the only thing we've ever been talking
0: about. (laughs) Yeah, fair. Hello, friends. Given you're here, I'm making the assumption that you're motivated to be mentally fit. So with that in mind, I want to let you know about the Better Questions newsletter, which publishes once or twice a month, providing all of us the opportunity to slow down, think and ask better questions. As you know, quality questions are my thing. And this is an opportunity to share the prompts I've studied and curated to help our minds be healthier, clearer, more intentional, and expand our mental capacity. You can sign up over at com slash newsletter, which will also give you a preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. That's com slash newsletter. Now back to the show. So once you when you're working with people, once you neutralize, Mm -hmm. like what are some of the tools that you're using or what are some of the practices and rituals to, you know, I guess handle high pressure situations or some of the preventative mental fitness that you're teaching or deploying? Like what does that look like uh, with your work?
1: So I think that one of the most powerful things that I do for people is that I unwind for them What is really happening? So when somebody is having a conversation with me and they're talking about, um, I, wherever there's resistance, right? So I usually start with, you know, where's the resistance in your life? And people go, what do you mean resist? I love when people go, I have no resistance. I'm like, oh, so you're dead. (laughs) Of course you do, right? So there's resistance that we have sometimes going backwards with like parents and siblings and events. There's resistance we can currently have today, right? You know, I want more out of my marriage. I want more out of my career. I want more for money, time, right? Wherever there's resistance, yeah. And then I help them understand what's really going on versus what they have told themselves is going on, yeah. because as humans, we create the story that we want to believe. Hmm.
0: So there's We're best-selling two best-selling authors.
1: Yes, oh, yeah. in our minds. Right, yes, totally, 100%, right? So we tell us the story that we want to believe, and that story is usually not true. And we fall in love with the idea of somebody, not who they really have showed us that they are. And those two things create an enormous amount of pain for us as the individual. So as a behaviorist, the very first thing that I can do is help you release from the story that is not serving you, And to release from the idea that you have attached to people and things. And now we're in a place of neutral. Yeah. If none of those things are true, now we can go on a journey of what is true for you. For you. And in what is true for you, how does that then unlock not only your identity, what you want, what you feel, what you need, how to make money at it how to live a lifestyle by your design, like, and all those other things. But until I get you to stop holding on white to grief, like that's, that's a huge one. People hold on to grief and pain and they hold closer to grief and pain than the actual living things around them. Yeah. So there's no space for me to love you because you're more married to the pain. So until I can help you put down the pain to experience the love that I'm trying to give you. Right. Mm-hmm. Love is about giving and receiving. A lot of people are very good givers and they're very bad receivers. Well, that's a behavior. Sure. Right. Holding on to something with like white knuckled holding on to it is a behavior. Right. Asking somebody to hold on to this and release that is a behavior. Yeah. And so that's what I do is I is I mirror for them. And I do that through games. I do that through exercises. I do that from restaging a home or a recovery area. Like again, most people I love, most people want intimacy and they want to belong. And I go, okay, let me see your bedroom. And I'm like, oh, so you've set this bedroom up for anti-belonging and anti-intimacy. <laughs> and then you wonder why you're struggling. Yeah. Well, the resistance in the place that you're looking for it is too high. Hmm. You know, so I, I, I do those things. So I just, I really listen to what people say that they want. And so if they say they want intimacy, we examine where in their life they've created space for it. And the people that they've identified, they want intimacy from is that person aware. Because a lot of times we want intimacy from a partner and that partner doesn't know that that's what we want from them. Yeah. I yeah. think it's something different. So I, if I'm coming to you for intimacy and you're providing me knowledge and we wonder why we're not feeling the way we want to feel. It's because what I want isn't what you're giving.
0: Sure. So are you working across, are you working just right across the spectrum at this point in the sense of with businesses and leaders and so forth? And I'm just thinking back to a lot of the stuff I, I saw from, you know, a lot of the, the the television shows that you've done to right up to now as well with, you know, Designing Genius and like even the example you just gave, which seems more personal, or couples and, and relationships on that, on that, uh, on that front.
1: Well, here's the beauty thing about behavior. The way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So yeah. for every CEO that I've got to go in and work with, guess what? He has a problem in his marriage too. And he has a problem with his uh, kids. He's a problem everywhere, right? Yeah. So the problem that I identify that you accept is a problem. Because again, the problem is only problem if you agree it's a problem right? I don't know, right? I'm just here to mirror. But the problem that you have, I then show you how that exact same relationship shows up with how you manage time, how you manage money, your intimate, every, it shows up everywhere. I just have Mm -hmm. to show you the pattern, right? And so the first place we went after with Designing Genius is we are missing very fundamental life skills in our education system. So we dropped our very first accredited course into colleges right? So oh, let me cool. stop the problem right before it starts to grow. And so we're leaning in from kids from the ages of 17 to like early mid-20s to provide them the life skills so they can choose what works for them. Not mm-hmm. what society says, what works for them and then how they actually bring that forth into their design life. So that's the first place we went was education um, because I think we're missing some pieces there.
0: Yeah. Second place we went. The right direction. Right, exactly. We went <laughs> there God. first.
1: Then the the second thing, because I believe that the creative realm, um, and I am not a creative, I would love to be, I'm not, I don't dance, I don't sing, I'm not entertaining, I'm not funny, I'm I'm none of those things. But those abilities, those geniuses touch the largest audience. Like, I am such a fan of music. I think music absolutely unlocks the soul. Um, And so I work with a lot of artists to help them understand a more impactful lane to create on instead of going in and saying, I'm going to be creative and trying to pull things out of the air Mm -hmm. to be able to say with the artist to say, what is it you're looking for somebody to feel? What do you want them to feel?
0: Great question.
1: And then if you can tell me how you would like somebody to feel I can paint backwards for you based on the demographic, how that demographic gets to that feeling. right So okay. if you take a um, a demographic of uh, people who have resources and a lot of that stability, how they get to a feeling is very different. Than somebody who was like me who had to kind of like dogfight my way out of my community. Right. So yeah. I have a, I have a fight in me that comes from those first zero to seven years of my life. And so if you're going to get me to a feeling, it is not the same as another demographic versus another demographic. So where in the world you reside sets part of the journey on how you get to a certain feeling. Mm-hmm. And in some cultures, if that feeling's even acceptable. Sure. And so when I work with artists, we start to paint the outcome and then the journey of these different demographics. And then we take the relatability of the artist. Okay. Okay. Because a lot of times the artist doesn't match the experiential journey that's why it's so many of the play, some of the artists that I've worked worked with you know their work but you don't know them and the reason why you don't know them is if you knew them you'd be like well then how do they create this you know yeah. and so we do a lot of that mystery stuff to help people have a stronger impact so we work with a lot of artists a lot of comedians a lot of musicians um a lot of writers and at the same time we work with a ton of entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs are just a different art form
0: yeah, of course. <laughs> so do you, uh, I mean, so that question really, really uh, hits a chord for me as well. Because I I often ask that question when delivering, whether it's like a mental fitness activation or a talk or anything like that. But I stop at that question more so like I'm I'm asking it to set the intention. How do I want the audience to feel after I'm done? And it's really just to like put my head in the right space. But I'm curious, like, do you, because I know you do a lot of speaking as well. Do you ask that question, then also do your best to under obviously understand the audience in front of you, and then you're reverse engineering, like the path?
1: So my greatest impact is in Q&A. Like if you ever listen to one of my Q&A, you'll be changed forever. Because most of the time, the question that somebody is asking isn't really the question.
0: Sure. Okay. Yeah. And
1: so to be able to lean in from a question to say, what are you really looking for? Because I hear this, that, or the other thing. And which one would you like me to serve you? My fun thing in healing work, because my favorite work in the world is healing work. My most favorite thing in the world is healing work. Is to be able to see what the person, the client, the individual is really looking to feel. Because when they tell you what they really want to feel and you walk them through the journey to say, well, if you want to feel whatever, let's say love, and I show them how they're holding so tightly to the pain, then I have to give them a behavioral tool to say, can I... See, are you willing to let go of this for just a moment so I can give you this thing you just said you want and then we're going to sit here together to see which one you're more married to. Mm. Wow. Right? And That's so powerful. it's the journey. It's it's the journey through where I do really really well because I reverse the question that they're really asking, right? I reverse the story, right? And this is, I do a lot of work um, with men trying to uh, outrun the shadow of the father, right? Um, I do a lot of healing work with women who didn't understand their fathers. Like those those connections are so imprinting for us. Mm -hmm. To be able to say, have you considered that what you think is abuse might have been an attempt to do these things. Poorly executed. Sure. But the intention, right, was different. And to be able to show them evidence of the intention, not keep holding on to the evidence of the abuse. The reframe. That's right. And in there, it allows for some release, because a lot of times, so I specialize in unintended pain. As a behaviorist, I work in the area of unintended pain. Unintended pain by your employers, unintended by pain in our relationships, unintended pain with our children, unintended pain that it doesn't make the pain any less. It just wasn't intentional. So now yeah. what are you going to do?
0: Yeah. Where, that's so fascinating. I mean, we could speak for, for hours on this topic. I, but I, I definitely want to get into some of your personal practice, and for you um, specifically, the things like some of the non-negotiables in your life to keep mm-hmm. your mind as as healthy and clear as possible. But before I do that, where's the best place? Because I mean, I'm hooked in just in the conversation. So I'm sure there are people on the other side as well. Like, wow, this is me. This, like, where do I go? Where do I go to, to get more access to your incredible work before we move subjects or to you specifically? Yeah. So
1: designinggenius.com. Okay. I think the greatest gift you can give somebody that is struggling or lost or confused or looking to understand who they are right? Any of those questions, designing genius is going to provide them the clarity for them, not the clarity that you want them to have.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Good distinction. Okay, cool. I mean, I'll, and I'll obviously have all that in the show notes. Um. Back to you specifically mm-hmm. in your mental fitness, like when you're on the road and traveling, which I know you uh, are often, like, what are the things that aren't dropped due to scheduling and whatnot? Like what are your non-negotiables on a, on a consistent basis to keep your mind as, as, you know, mentally fit as you can?
1: So I have a lot of practices and rituals, but I also live firmly by my should and my should nots. And I will tell you that the should and should nots that we've, we put together for people is the most powerful work that I hear back over and over again. So I'll start with the rituals and the practices. Okay. Um, what I know about me as just Amelia, not you who's listening, me as yeah. Amelia, yeah. I have identified my power hours and my protective hours, right? The hours for me in the morning are my greatest energy, gift, clarity, focus, right? You can't beat me there. Yeah, You just can't. Yeah, I am I resonate the most with that. powerful, right? And how I utilize those hours have the greatest impact on how my life feels. So if you are not in what we, we call the five areas of focus, if you are not part of one of those areas, you are not permitted in my power hours. Okay. Because I only give my five areas of focus the greatest of Amelia. The rest gets my leftovers.
0: I love your personality. That's <laughs> <laughs> so fun. You to carry on. <laughs> right?
1: And so that's part of it. So I yeah. know for me, um, I use something called Holosync. Um, it was invented by Bob Harris, who's no longer with us. And okay. it is a bunch of tones that help me through my process of awakening and also helps me at night in my process of recovery it's like binarial beats it's um, sort of sure yeah something like that right so it allows me um to not rely on amelie to get to a state of meditation or a state of what i don't have that okay Mm. i I need help i need helpers to get me to where i need to be um Because my pace, my natural energetic pace is intense and fast. So in order to slow that down for me to reach clarity, I need assistance. Now, I'm sure sure if I spent time in Tibet or whatever, which I have, um, it's just I need helpers. And so I have very carefully crafted. And my biggest belief as a behaviorist is what you do in the first 11 minutes upon waking And what you do in the last 11 minutes before you rest, dictate the rest of the day.
0: Hmm. Why 11 minutes?
1: It's one of those master numbers. I believe in 11, 22 and 33, 11 happens to be the energy. Some people call it angels. I hear all different kinds, but 11 is really a leadership number, right? Of one in one of many, right? Hmm. So one is leadership. 11 is the higher power of that. So I spend the first 11 minutes, Before I can serve others, I need to get straight with self. And in those 11 minutes, I prepare myself to be the very best Amelia I can be for the day. And that leads me to my practices of what I need in order to be the best Amelia. Mm -hmm. I drink 24 ounces of water at the minimum upon waking because me being dehydrated, I don't think well. I don't I don't think well I have to be hydrated, just I do. I'm I'm thirsty mm. all the time.
0: Yeah. Well, and there's also water. a reason our, our body <laughs> is supposed to operate it operate in a in a uh in a state of hydration. So yeah, it's, I need we, we I forget need the hydration. basics, it's yeah, crazy. I,
1: so I drink water upon waking. Yeah, I also capture um things that are coming out of that transition, right? So because I'm using Holosync, which takes me about an hour and a half to go from sleep to awakening. There's a lot of information that I'm trying to bring from my subconscious through my conscious. So what I do right in the, as I do a lot of free writing, it's jibble. It doesn't make any sense at all, but our mind doesn't work that way. The, the, the subconscious gives us mess messaging, but it's out of order. So the only way you can really understand what the message is, is if you're capturing it and then you reflect. And I do that right at the end of every week, at the end of every month, the end of every quarter. So I capture those notes, I drink water, I practice gratitude, and I set my intention of the day. So I always Amazing. go in that order to say, this is what I'm, I'm grateful. about. I'm above above ground. I'm very happy about that. I'm grateful for the things that are in my life. And my intention for today is whatever that is. Yeah. Um, I then, you know, I then move into, um, I call it a reflection room. you can call it whatever you want, and I spend that time actually meditating. I then uh, grab more water, more BAA, you know, pre-workout drink. I hit the gym. I get a lot of other enlightening of that. Um, And then I do a practice of called one, one, one. That's my own personal practice and rituals. I've been doing it for 35 years. So for the last 35 years, every day of my life, I call one person just to see how they are. Hey, Mm, just checking in. Yeah, How are you? I make one connection. Hey, I really think you should meet this person. I don't know why, but I just, I'm feeling in this state of my powerful state that you guys need to meet. And I'll make an introduction and I give one gift every day. And so I've been doing that for 35 years, one, one, one. Um, and it has opened up so much in my life. Oh, so yeah. much in my life.
0: Well, just even from a, like a neurochemical cocktail, you're giving yourself hits of dopamine and serotonin just from all the gratitude aspects of, of that practice. Right. That, I mean, it's all the feel good emotions. I mean, and I even if you're just doing that.
1: Yeah. I mean, so I get crazy. Like people will come up to, cause I'm on the road a lot. People come up to me and go, Oh my God, I won't believe this. You know, I got a book from you. I got a, this from you. I got, cause I'm always giving something. And so I do little things. So like when, I'm at Dunkin Donuts. I buy the person behind me coffee. When sure. I'm in the grocery store, I buy the person, you know, when I see that woman who's got, you know, 3 kids, I'm like, "Oh, God bless you." Right? Like, you know, I buy their groceries, you know, because I can. I buy gas for the person in front of me or behind. Simple, simple things. If I'm yeah. enjoying a moment of pleasure, of something that I am grateful for, I can put gas in my car, I can buy groceries, I love coffee. Right? So it's just the little things that I get a giggle over. Yeah. I gift it to somebody else randomly. Like I don't tell them, I don't, I don't make any announcements. I'm not looking for any of those things. I just try to just share my gratitude in a way that becomes a gift for somebody else. Simple, simple, simple thing. You know, when people go, Oh, you know, I don't have the budget for that. I'm like, okay, but you have the budget for the things that you can do for free. Make eye tack smile, compliment Mm -hmm. somebody. Oh my God. I love those shoes. Great tie. Wait, great. Just, give what it is that you would like to receive because when it comes back to you, when people stop me and like, I got a book from you or I heard you on clubhouse or this, whatever, it fills my heart with such joy that somehow, some way I moved the needle for somebody. For sure. That just, that's, that's the richness of life because it's saying, Hey, your work matters. And I'm always like, I don't care if you know me. I could care less if you know who I am. I care if you know my work. My work is what I care about. And so those morning rituals sets that all into momentum. And that at the end of the day, the things that you don't celebrate and hold space for, you will lose. So that 11 minutes are literally me saying the things that, please, God, do not take these things away from me. Do not take my kids away from me. Do not take my friends away from me. Do not take my board away from me. Do not, the things that I do not want to lose are the ones I hold space for. And really, really thank, thank God. The fact that I have that, you know, I, I, I love the ability that I have to think. And I'm so grateful for that. I love my passion to want to solve and improve the world. Thank you for that really go through that. And and because that's my ritual of practice, it helps me be mentally aware of my responsibility of what I'm putting into the world. Now that doesn't mean I don't suffer, right? I have all kinds of mental challenges that I've had to create a tool for and repurpose it in another form, right? So I have a really tough time because again, I've had that interesting journey where society said to me there was something wrong with me. Right. I had a mental problem. Right. Which that just feels bad. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm like, Oh my God, what's, what's wrong with me? You know what I mean? I like, I can do that to myself. I don't need any help from that. And what I realized is what it's not about healing something to make it go away. That's what I was told. You're going to heal and it's going to go away. Mm, not so much. What happens is you learn to repurpose it into something for a greater impact for you, right? For That, that you agree with. Yeah. So with the pain that I have had, and I've had an enormous, enormous amount, I mean, of struggle, I take that and repurpose it through me for somebody else. Mm. And that allows me not to wait for this impending event that it's someday I'm going to wake up and I'm going to feel healed. I'm 55 years old. I have yet to wake up feeling that yet. Yeah. I yeah. wake up with the power of my experience that is funneled through me for good.
0: Well, I can't think of a better way to end this conversation. I mean, that is inspiring <laughs> stuff. And I mean, I just like for everyone listening as well, um I mean, you mentioned obviously a lot of different practices and your r- routines and rituals and whatnot. And I always, you know, people are gonna start getting tired of hearing this. but I, the the for me, it's don't take this as a prescription. I mean, this is what works for you. and mm-hmm. I have my flow as well. but I the one thing I think that that's worth really highlighting is that even if you're just starting, 11 minutes in the morning and 11 minutes in the evening and starting there, you're guaranteed to boost that self-awareness and start noticing things, right? Then all of a sudden you start, you know, learning about different practices and you get into your, like a personalized flow that you know works for you. And it's magical when you can get to that state.
1: And it builds self-worth. Yes. Right. Taking 11 minutes to say, I don't care if the phone is ringing. I don't care if the doorbell is ringing. I don't care if the dog is barking. I don't care if the kids need to be fed. This 11 minutes, I'm going to serve myself first. It's for me. Yeah. Just for me. And when you do that practice, and it's uncomfortable in the beginning. I mean, when Mm -hmm. I started at minute three, I was like, it's only three minutes. feels like an hour. Yeah. Right. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. Because you're not used to serving you, you're used to serving everybody else. But taking those 11 minutes, once you start to feel the joy from that, you'll protect it. You won't protect mm-hmm. it in the beginning, but once it's a practice, you'll protect it. And once you get to the level of protecting it, it becomes the indicator of who's on your team and who is not.
0: Well said. Well said. Well, thank you so much. No,
1: thank you so much. I'm oh, so glad. I'm so glad.
0: For for first, I mean, making the time to be on the show, but then, I, I, you know, just a higher thank you for doing you and working on your mental fitness and bringing this and just being, you know, showing up in this world with your energy and your personality to do just stunning work, which is unlocking so many humans and businesses out there. So... Thank you for that. As a higher thank you and I hope this is, you know, the first of many conversations.
1: Oh, it will be. I say that we we rise together in our genius. It takes all of us. All of us together yes. sharing, you know, what we know and what we've learned and together we really become the master of the mind, right? We're really meant to be connected. Um, and I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that people are here that are listening and together we'll rise.
0: Together we'll rise.